Podcasts from the Cat. Voices and sounds from Crew and Nantwich. Welcome to Business Brunch. And on today's show, we're talking to a director of an award-winning crew-based company. The Swansway Group is a family business with Michael Smythe and his three sons at the helm with collectively 140 years' experience in the motor trade. On today's show, we're pleased to welcome one of those sons, David Smythe. David, welcome to Business Brunch. Welcome. Uh, David, your father, Michael Smythe, has spent a a lifetime in the motor trade and uh, amongst his achievements, he built up the largest Toyota and Lexus group in Europe. I mean, that's a tremendous achievement just on its own. Uh, Why did your father choose the motor trade as a business uh, and to what do you attribute his continued success? Um, He didn't actually choose the motor trade. Um, At the time, he was working for Hoover as an area manager and he and a friend had a little sideline they used to buy lock-up garages um, it was because if you can imagine in the 60s people were just starting to acquire cars and uh, a lot of these people wanted to find somewhere to keep their nice new car nice and clean um, so they used to ha- um, he used to rent out lock-up garages he bought up lock-up garages and then he'd rent them out to the local people and it, it was just a coincidence that he had half a dozen lock-up garages on a, a garage site um, and the garage site came up for sale. So at the time, it was all it was was two petrol pumps that you used to have to crank by hand. So you used to have to uh, pump it by hand, um, fill up people's cars. Um, there was a, a small body shop and a small mechanic shop and about uh, 20 lock-up garages, of which my dad had a number of them. So that must make the hair stand up on the back of his neck when he th- when he thinks about cranking uh, petrol into cars. It, yeah, he did. He, I mean, in fairness, he started off um, when 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 he first bought the business. Uh, for those of you that remember gallons, he used to do about nine hundred gallons a week, and he ended up doing seventy thousand. Built the business up to seventy thousand gallons a week, so it was significant. So you you wouldn't be cranking seventy thousand gallons, would you? Not unless you have big arms. <laughs> Still, it kept him fit in the first instance. It did. So he's kind of fallen into it by accident. Tell us a little bit more about how he's developed um, the the business initially. Like I say, he started off, uh, it was no more than a duck yard uh, with a few petrol pumps and a, 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 a few mechanic shop. And then on one occasion, he, he went down to Earl's Court to the motor show. And uh, we would have loved to have some of the major players such as Ford or Vauxhall as, as a franchise dealer, but they didn't want us. Um, and so we found a little uh, little known manufacturer called Toyota that built these quite quirky Japanese cars. They, they rusted a lot initially, but they were extremely reliable. And so he started off by, uh, he, he did a deal with them. In fact, they, they came to see him and they said, you need uh, 5,000 pounds. He said, I've got it. And he didn't. Um, there wasn't a lot of due diligence in those days. So the signs were put up and they started selling, sending cars and we started selling them. And initially, he clearly had an innate business acumen, didn't he? Just built in. He would say, no, what he did have was a great ability to work and work hard. In fairness, he left a very good job with Hoover to set up this garage. He had four children under the age of five and a mortgage. I mean, most people think he was crackers, but he just thought, you know, the effrontery of youth, he just didn't think he could fail. I just think it's amazing and that's what makes an entrepreneur because a good entrepreneur is willing to take risks. Yes, oh listen, he's a great risk taker uh, and still is. But you know, at the end of the day, we we do take risks and you know, he's got some bottle 
Um, but the calculated risks, I mean, we take risks in areas that we know about. Um, we, you know, throughout our uh, business life, we try to stick to our knitting and stick to what we know. Whereas in, in his day, at the, at the very beginning, he's doing it off the back of a fag packet. Really. Very much from the back of a fag packet. Yeah. yeah. So, David, you joined the family business in 2003. Tell us about the early years. And I want to say early years. I mean, they're in the 2000s. But some well, of the more important business skills that you've developed that have helped to make a difference in the business. Uh, well, I think there's no magic formula. Um, but what we do do is we stick to the basics. We have a key set of rules that we stick to, and we don't stick to them some of the time and most of the time. We stick to them all the time. We have some very clear principles. Um, our strap line is that we're caring, honest and proud, and we do live by those values. And when there's tough decisions to make, we make them and carry them out. So, first of all, tell me what, what transferable skills you brought into the business. I, I think the skills we brought into the business, first of all, um, I'd actually got a degree in building, so any of the building, any building projects we've, we've done over the years, and we've done several of those, because you have to build um, dealerships for manufacturers. Um, we've built several of those, like I say, over the years. Um, so I, I've always taken a keen interest in that. And a lot of it, like I say, is, is basically sticking to the basics and a great degree of hard work. And what have you learned over and above the skills you brought into the business since 2003? I've certainly learned about the uh, the day-to-day workings of the car industry uh, and what I would say is it's totally different or not totally different quite different to when I started in 2003 um, I mean the motor industry is changing it's going to change again and if you don't change with it then they're the people that go out of business and obviously you're managing people so you you must have developed to some degree the the ability to manage and motivate individuals yeah we, yeah we have i mean at the end of the day um both me peter and john are very um very visible in the business we you know we don't sit in an ivory tower we're very much at the coal face we attend weekly meetings to see how we're going on uh, we keep our, our managers um, held to account and we also visit the the dealerships i mean any minute now once the we get a bit better weather we have uh, uh, our branch inspections when me peter and john visit every every dealership um, we give them a prize for the the best kept dealership and just make sure that all the clutter is out of the way everywhere's clean and up to up to a standard uh, David, from its inception, the Swansway Group has enjoyed uh, an enviable level of growth, uh, not unlike the family's previous businesses, for that matter. Talk us through some of the strategic decisions uh, that you feel have helped keep the business on course to achieve its targets. Well, I guess we've always stuck to our knitting, uh, yes. we, you know, Over the years, we've had people come with different um, schemes and different ideas, uh, but we've recognised that we're actually good at what we do, which is selling cars and repairing cars. Um, so that's one of the things we've done. We've also chosen our key partners. Um, the majority of our franchises are Volkswagen um, partnerships. Volkswagen are, are a great group to work with. Um, so we've done that and we tried to stay clear of some of the smaller minority players. So if we're looking at strategic decisions that have fundamentally changed the course of the business, what would you choose there? You know, what would you identify? as a turning point over the last 17 years? Well, it doesn't happen as a turning point, to be honest. What happens is, very often, um, you get you don't get a lot of notice. Someone from the manufacturer will come and say, can we have a cup of coffee with you? And you always say yes. And they then say to you, listen, we've got this opportunity in Birmingham, in Manchester, um, 
and you then start to explore it. I mean, a number of our, and sometimes you have to move very quickly. A, a number of our businesses, we bought out a pre-pack administration just before the business went bust. That's one way. Others, others, others have, have been long-term plan, like the Jaguar dealership that we've got in crew. You know, that took uh, two or three years to acquire the land, get the planning and build it. So some are longer, some, some take longer than others. Um, but there's no, the only strategic um, plan we took, we bought three Audi dealerships, one in Carlisle, one in uh, Blackburn and one in Preston. And we'd known the guy that owned that for many years. We used to have, uh, we used to sit down with him and look at how he, what, how he did things and how we did things. So we had a good relationship with him. Um, and then he came to the time that he wanted to retire. So it seemed a natural fit that we bought it. And you've got a lot of different aspects to the business. Yes. Because you're, you're working with mechanics, you're working with salespeople. Uh, as you said, you, you're, you're obviously at some sometimes, uh, at some point, you're dealing in with the construction industry. How do you bind all that together successfully? Uh, the key is having the good people. Forget the franchise, forget the dealership, forget the town. Uh, if you've got the right people and the right team, it can make such a difference. We found that with dealerships that have been losing money and you, then you, you get a change in management, put a new team in there and it can transform the dealership. So it's all about the people. And do you use third party HR companies to, to get your people? No, we try and, uh, where we can, we try and promote from within. It's always a lottery when you do an interview. Some people are actually very good at interviewing but no good at doing the job. Um, whereas other people that you've worked with, and we've had several people that have come to work for us, apprentices that have then become full-time mechanics, then service managers, and then they'll become head of businesses. So where where we can, we like to promote from within. It's sometimes sometimes a risk, because you know, some people don't always make that step, but the majority of people do, because you know it's in our interest and their interest for it to be a success. Certainly a, a high motivator, isn't it, if, if you're promoting yes. within. So David, according to the company website, your business is built on a very simple precept. You focus on keeping customers happy. Now, in order to achieve consistency in customer service, your whole team needs to be on board. So share with us what systems you have in place to keep the team trained, informed and motivated. Well, a lot of the training, the actual technical training is done by the manufacturers. Um, so as far as the training for our technicians and receptionists and, and managers, a lot of that's done by the manufacturers. But me, Peter and John are very, like I say, very busy visible in the in the dealership and um, we're seeing it uh, throughout the business we have our three core values and we actually empower our staff to live them so that they are caring honest and proud and we ask people you know if they're making a decision is it caring is it honest and are you proud of it and uh, we use that as a filter and I would hope my staff do as well that simple formula uh, it must be fairly easy to roll out to to the whole team. I would hope that if you ask people what their Swansway values are, they will be able to say caring, honest, and proud. And you go to a lot of you know a lot of businesses, and you ask them what their uh, you ask them what the company values are, and they they get a plaque, blow off the dusk, and then read it out to you. Um, we actually do live our values, and like I say, it's very easy. If you've got an easy easy decision, it's it's easy. But the tough decisions, you you if you run through that filter, you know, is it caring? Is it honest? And are you proud of it? it normally gets you to the right answer. Not always the most, the one that provides you with the most money because there's sometimes you can make decisions um, that would make you more money, but you, you hold off from doing that because it's not caring, honest and proud. 
and that way you, you deliver consistency. Consistency, yes. You're listening to a podcast from The Cat. Today we're talking to David Smythe from the Swansway Group. David, tell us what makes the Swansway Group sufficiently different to your competitors uh, and how you ensure that you continue to grow your market share. What I feel about Swansway is we're very much a family. I mean, uh, and it's not just um, the immediate blood family, but uh, I would like to think that there is a Swansway family. Very often we'll have people come to work from us from other PLCs and, you know, they might have seen the chairman on a, on a, a company leaflet, but they never meet him. They never meet the directors. Um, we are very transparent and you know people come to us with problems and you know a number of times people have come to us they've, they've hit hard times either through illness or whatever and we've been, we're able to help them out with that so that sort of things makes hell of a difference I mean um, like I say um, some people don't like it they don't like the fact that the directors are, are in the business all the time um, but people make that decision and I think the people that stay long term find that refreshing and different to what they would normally have. How do we maintain our market share? Um, we, we try and move with the market. Um, so any new innovations, we're very keen to change. Um, we invest money in, we, we, you know, we just invested money in, in, um, in a new motor match website for our used cars. Um, and again, we went to the person that we thought was the best in the industry and we asked them to produce the website for us. So we're not frightened of spending money as long as it, you know, we, we can see a return for it. So all businesses have churn with their employees, but clearly if you've got the majority of your employees that are long term, you, you must feel that you've got that right. Is, is that the case? Yeah, that's the case. And, you know, we do, we do different things. Um, we give people, once they've worked for us for 12 months, when it's the birthday, they can have the day off. We pay for them to have the day off. Um, we do a thing, I do a, a thing every uh, every other month where, which is lunch with David where we invite people to come um, we go up to Lancaster and we have it at her office where we get people from our dealerships not just the managers um, and we just tell them what we're doing there are no secrets um, we don't have anything to hide and we, we explain what we're doing we explain why we're doing things um, and hopefully they go back to the site and cascade that back down to their peers Okay, so moving on, the the DVLA is almost a paper-free agency now, um, certainly with my dealings anyway. But having purchased a car recently, I noticed there's still an awful lot of paperwork used in the motor trade. Tell us how you use um, technology and automation to streamline your business systems. You're right, Des, there's still a lot of paperwork. I mean, we have mounds of rooms with archive stuff in them, and uh, I'd much rather it be on a file or on a computer. Um, but, you know, we are moving. We, um, if you come in now and have your car appraised, um, it, it'll be done on, a, on an iPad where the salesperson will actually input your, your details. They'll walk around the car. They'll, they'll point out any marks on it or, or any deficiencies. And th that, that appraisal then, once, once, you, once you've been appraised, it goes all the way through. So we, we'll send that off to the auction if it's a car that's going to auction. Um, just try and inevitably to try and reduce the amount of paperwork. So it's an area that um, is being used considerably more now, uh, automation, so that any repetitive work, if I could pick, say, bookkeeping, uh, most businesses now have their bank plugged into their bookkeeping system. Yes. So that all those transactions are immediately married up with the transactions in your bookkeeping. Yes. 
so which removes an awful lot of grunge work. So are you finding that happening as well in your business? It is to some degree, yes. I mean, at the end of the day, we, you know, we, 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 inevitably there is still paperwork and there's a lot more paperwork with the FCA now and the compliance and the, all, all the financial compliance that we have to have to carry out and maintain. Um, but where we can, we invest money in our management system so as it can, can reduce the paperwork because at the end of the day, if we can reduce that, that can be a cost saving. Well, of course, yeah, it's cost saving for yourself and obviously you, you can um, plough that back into the business. So what I have noticed is that when I bought finance in the past, say 15, 20 years ago, the paperwork was couriered around the country, <laughs> which is, is, is quite old fashioned, isn't it now, if you think about it. And these days you, you can get finance online at the, at the push of a button. Correct, yeah. And signatures are a, a method of approval aren't they, yes, they rather are. than an a, electronic signature yeah. you know you just you just sign the pad and, uh, and 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 you're away so do you see that becoming part and parcel of of car sales i would i would hope there'd be more of that because you know like i say the more we can streamline that because it's an area that the customer does all when a customer comes to pick his car up He's not interested in really in signing the forms and going through the paperwork. That's that's the boring side. Um, he wants to get in his car, doesn't he? Yeah. So you're right. Our trade-in was appraised using a, an iPad, I think, yeah. or or something similar. There's nothing stopping you uh, reducing what must have been about ten sheets of paper that we signed, and there's nothing stopping you putting all that online, is there? Not, really? not at all. Not at all. No. David, the motor trade is is going through considerable change with the uh, demise of the combustion engine in the UK only 15 years away uh, and the advent of electrically powered vehicles. So how do you see the future of the motor trade unfolding uh, and what plans do you have for the Swansway Group? Uh, listen, I don't know, um, even if the manufacturers know what, which way the, the, the industry is going to go. Um, I heard a statistic the other day, I was speaking to one of the manufacturers and they reckon there was a 50-50 chance whether Volkswagen would survive. Now I'm hoping they've got a lot better than 50-50 chance, but we're in a changing world. Um, electrification, um, I'm not sure if that's the final solution. Um, we're at the moment having to upgrade all our sites so we can put charge points on them. Um, and that's on, meant on several sites we've had to uh, increase the amount of power coming into the site from the um, having to build substations. Now, if we're having to do that, um, so are other people. Um, pe- there will always need, people will always need a mode of transport, but it's, it's going to be challenging in the next few years. Um, I'm not convinced the politicians have got it right. Um, you know, I think uh, all I know is that Volkswagen are uh, investing a, a huge amount of money, 32 billion euros, uh, they're putting into ba- battery technology and electrification. Um, so I guess when they've invested that sort of money, there's going to be some results, but um, you do just wonder, you know, people that live in terraced houses, people that live in living flats, how are they going to charge their vehicles up? Um, and you know, if you if you're making a you know a journey, knocking about town, that's great. But if it's anything over two two hundred and fifty miles, um, people are going to have to get used to travelling differently. They're going to have to stop for a twenty minute, half an hour recharge. So you you'd see if you apply that change over. I mean, it's not going to happen the day after we stop selling combustion engines, but it's certainly going to happen over a period of 10 or 15 years. So in 30 years' time, 
a petrol station is going to look quite different, isn't it? I, I think the world will look a lot different in 30 years' time. Yeah. Um, and I do actually think that the hydrogen fuel cell could be the final solution. Um, I, I went over to uh, Tokyo with Honda um, and we drove their hydrogen car and that just seemed to make a lot more sense. Uh, but they have got obviously issues with the, the fuel cell and the, and the, the storage of, the, of hydrogen. So that's, that's a really interesting thought you've thrown into the pot there. Are you talking to government via the various agencies? Are you feeding back your thoughts? We're not. Um, we're, we're members of different bodies and obviously we voice our opinions when we, we go there. And a, a lot of people within the industry are, are of the same opinion. Um, a lot of this is being pushed by the politicians um, and I understand that. Um, but whether they, they understand the magnitude of it or not, I don't know. It is massive, isn't it? And mm. it's going to require a lot of money being thrown at it. Absolutely. And they've got to get that mix right yes. in order for the um, the businesses to uh, survive successfully. Well, not, 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 not just our business, but, I mean, everybody. I mean, people need a, a means of transport, don't they? They need to get from A to B. You'll have to come into work in the morning. You, you can see all the people travelling into work. Um, so people do need to travel. And so the, the government have got to get it right. Absolutely. Okay, so your business is no stranger to winning awards um, and your boardroom must be awash with cups and plaques. Interestingly, I thought the awards were across a multitude of different categories, including customer satisfaction, employer of the year, and after sales dealership, to name but a few. Now, this is a little like a Desert Island Disc question, David. So if you could only keep one of your awards, which one would it be and why? Well, I'm going to be cheeky and ask, can I keep two? And you might not uh, might not allow that. Um, the one we won this last year, um, towards the end of last year, was uh, the South Cheshire Chambers Award for Contribution to the Community. Um, we do... Um, give a, a sizable amount of money back to the community. We do things like um, Christmas um, Christmas presents for children, um, Easter egg patrol where we give um, to underprivileged children and adults that are on their own Easter eggs. Um, and we do things for wishing well. So a number of things. And also we ask our staff, because we don't know which the best charities are within certain areas. Um, so we ask our, our, our staff if they could um, come up with the ideas. So that's one. And then I guess the other one um, is the AM award for best um, best dealer group over 10 sites because that's awarded by our peers. Um, so that's one I'm really proud of. So when you say your peers, you, you mean other, other well, dealerships? Well, well, other dealerships or other people within the industry. Okay, and when did you receive that one? Um, in, uh, in 2019. That's a fantastic. So we'll let you keep these two. Before you go, uh, David, tell our listeners how they can contact Swansway Garages. Uh, contact us through our website on www.swanswaygarages.com. David, it's been a real pleasure having you here at The Cat. Thank you very much for Thank coming you. in. Thank you. Go to listen.thisisthecat.com for more podcasts and more ways to listen.